0: Get ready! Get ready! Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Cause you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Thanks for tuning in, as always. Well, We've got an amazing author on the show, and she's a woman who's going to tell us quite an interesting journey and help us understand what's going on over in China and with uh, her group that's over there of people that are suffering through some of the concentration camps and re-education camps, unfortunately, they call them, and, and uh, some of the suffrages that are going on there as well, and stories about her family, a memoir of her exile, hope and survival. The book is entitled A Stone Is Most Precious Where It Belongs: A Memoir of Uyghur uh, uh, Exile, Hope and survival. She joins us on the show today and she's uh, said to, I can uh, call her by her nickname, Goo. So we'll do that on the show. Uh, And it just came out February 21st, 2023. I've always been curious about this topic. I hope you are as well because uh, there seems to be a whole new thing going on of a repression of people and uh, putting them into camps and everything else. And I thought we'd overthrown stuff like this in the 40, in the World War II, but uh, the horrors of, of uh, oppressing people seem to keep returning. So we're going to talk to her about her book and her memoir and everything else today. Uh, she is a journalist based in the United States and has earned honors such as the 2019 Magnitsky Magnits- Magnits- uh, Human Rights Award. I know how to say Magnitsky. Uh, the Magnitsky Human Rights Award, the Courage in Journalism Award from the International Women's Media Foundation in 2020, recognition of one of the most 500 influential Muslims in the world every year since 2016 and an appearance in the 2020 Oslo Freedom Forum. Her work has been featured in the Washington Post, Financial Times, and many other publications. Welcome, Shogu, how are you?
1: Hi, Chris, thank you for having me. I'm such an honor to be here.
0: And it's an honor to have you as well. Congratulations. And give me the full pronunciation of your name uh, as, as it is.
1: Gilchehra Hoja.
0: There you go. There you go. I love that you say that. You say it more beautifully than I do.
1: Thank you. Just call me Gil. It's more comfortable for me and
2: for you too.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, give us a .com's websites, uh, social media accounts, where we want people to follow you on the interwebs, please.
2: Yeah,
1: just my name, at um, Twitter, also Facebook.
0: There you go. And so, uh, what motive you want to write this book? It seems obvious, but, you know, people like to hear it from the author themselves.
1: Um, you know, um, we Uyghurs, about um, more than 20 millions of uh, people, actually, we believe, that a number um, uh, China use is not correct. <laughs> hmm. So more than twenty million, we people living in we region which is China called <clears throat> Xinjiang, we autonomous region. Uh, we prefer call our uh, you know the country name as uh, East Turkistan. Um, our country occupied by CCP in ninety. 90- uh, forty nine. Uh, since then, we lost our freedom. Mm-hmm. So recently, um, because of the concentration camp and the genocide um, uh, going on in my country, that's why the whole world, actually, media start to paying attention to. The atrocity going on in my land. So, but uh, unfortunately, only sees us, Uyghur people, as a victim of genocide. Mm -hmm. So, being a Uyghur, it's um, uh, how can I say it's it's like shame for us. Of course, we are living in that country thousands of years, and we are very proud of. Um, who we are actually, our culture, our history, everything about Uyghur. So I am also uh, grown up. Uh, such a family taught me a lot um, to be honor and be grateful for who you are. Who. Mm-hmm your real identity. So being a Uyghur is such a beautiful and honor thing for me. Also today we have the painful, you know, experiences that, but I want to, you know, show the world uh, who are the Uyghurs really are. So I just um, wrote the book uh, from my experience, my perspective. So, it just wants to helping people to more understand uh, the Uyghurs.
0: There you go. And I think this is important because more people and more light needs to be shining on what's going on over there in China, uh, more uh, more concern, and it, it, I don't know what more uh, can be done. That's, at a, that's beyond my pay grade. But definitely we need to have more outcry and more understanding mm-hmm. of what goes on. Um, you entitled the book A Stone. Yep. is most precious where it belongs. What's the origin of that?
1: Um, you know, this as uh, is this uh, proverb, right? Um, mm-hmm. A stone is most precious with where it belongs. We usually um, uh, use this word to describe about um, the people who forcedly separate with their countries mm-hmm. and their um, homeland, their uh, birthplace. So mm-hmm. uh, this is the another point uh, that has uh, greatly inspired me to begin to writing this book because of my exile life. I really uh, lived through the deep values of this proverb. Mm -hmm. So I picked that name.
2: I like it.
1: Yeah, and it has a very beautiful story about uh, this proverb, Mm -hmm. uh, how it inspired me because my father used to um, use this word a lot. And also he sent me uh, f- when when he sent me first um box from home uh, he actually put one stone the stone the very random stone from our neighborhood <laughs> he put that in that um, gift box and when I opened it um I saw one dopa is your head inside and the, one leather from my parents, and one homemade bread, which is my mom' mm-hmm. uh, handmade bread, and then this stone together. <laughs> and I was wondering, okay, they they think about yeah, um, may I, I I may very uh, missed, you know, about. The nun, the the bread, homemade bread, and this stupa presents. your culture. They want to, um, you know, me keep up our tradition alive. But I couldn't understand why they put the uh, the stone inside. So I was thinking because my father usually just give us message or deep meaning of um, stuff with. His act, something, he doesn't directly tell you. He wants to, to think and deeply understand. That's why I naturally uh, thinking about why he put this uh, stone in that box. And I just think all related with a stone, right? So I immediately, you know, the proverb, which is Tash shkayir the Aziz, come to my mind. And I called my dad. I said, thank you for your gifts. It's very beautiful. and but you uh, sent me a stone also. Is that the mean, a stone is most precious where it belongs. And my father was so happy <laughs>
2: to see, you
1: know, I deeply understand that. That's why I keep that stone with me. I, already moved seven times in the United States but the stone for me is the part of my home part of my homeland. that's why I keep that with me all the time and when I move I, I afraid of lost that you know so it's uh, actually in this 22 years it's uh, the most precious um, stuff for me. Um, mm-hmm. in my entire exile life so it's also sits in my behind you know my uh a bookshelf also uh-huh. when i miss my family miss my home i hold it and i will smell it it still have that smell from home
0: there you go well that's mm-hmm. a beautiful story and what a wise father i like the father who makes people think you know and
1: he's Always
2: like
0: that, yeah. Yeah, because my dad would just tell me things, and I'd just be like, yeah, whatever, Dad. But, <laughs> uh, you know, the whole thinking through it and the beauty of it. Mm-hmm. And he probably knew that, you know, having having a part of your country to always have with you uh, and yes. things. So uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in America in exile. But well, what's, what's the life journey and in, in some of the stuff that you put in your memoir?
1: Yeah, I grew up in the... Uh, uh, Urumqi city, which is uh, the capital of our country, is Turkistan. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my early um, uh, beginning with, with uh, TV life, uh, career, actually, uh, in uh, state run TV called Xinjiang TV in Uyghur region, and I was pretty, um, uh, <laughs> you know, um, Just like a star because I create the first ever Uyghur children show in Uyghur TV Mm -hmm. and very uh, quickly become uh, a star who everyone knows. Uh, Mm -hmm. After five years working as a journalist and a TV host in Xinjiang TV, I witnessed so many. Um, propaganda because I deeply understand uh, we don't have actually freedom of speech, freedom of express in China. Mm. All the media is tool uh, of uh, propaganda for uh, CCP to use to brainwash people. Mm. Also including my uh, children program from 2020 they change the education system for just using Han Chinese uh, Mm. to reduce the Uyghur language teaching in all the school. Mm. And they also order us to propaganda about if your child um, Mm. learning Han Chinese, their future will be bright, you know? So those kind of stuff. And when when you loved by your people, you earn their trust. After you brainwash their kids, it's for me like burden. It's uh, hurting. I work with very heavy, like a guilty feeling since then. Then during that hard time, I had the opportunity to visit um, Europe.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It was 2001 in summer. So I went to Europe. That's the first time I had a freedom to um, explore the internet. No? No. So I searching up what's going on outside of Uyghur region, what the exile Uyghurs doing. So I search and I search up the uh, Radio Free Asia website. And I listen to their uh, news reports it's a totally different from what i was working you know so yeah. i i feel like i am not the journalist. actually they are journals so i w- i want to speak the truth i want to i because i love my job but i if i go back i forcefully could do more to for the Chinese government propaganda. Yeah. So I was, you know, changed my mind. Mm-hmm. By that time, I, I feel like, no, I cannot go back. So mm-hmm. I applied to Radio Free Asia and they happily and very fastly, uh, um, you know, uh, accept me because they mm-hmm. know me. And also they were very happy so, but uh, during, you know, the, just about to go to the U.S. Embassy in Vienna, the boom, the September 11 happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was stuck in the Vienna one month. Mm-hmm. And that time all uh, U.S. embassies shut down because of the war. And um, after one month, Finally, I came to United States, uh, it was twen- uh, 2001, um, mm-hmm. in October. Mm-hmm. I start, uh, my new career as a real journalist in the RFA since then.
0: Wow. And so, <laughs> and so, uh, you've, have you, ever, you've never been able to return to your country no. since then, yeah. and that's kind of yes, challenging. Um,
1: it is, it is hard. And, uh, you know, but my father used to teach us, um, you know, for the freedom, everything Mm -hmm. you can. um, How can I (laughs) translate that? Um, Nothing is valuable without freedom. He always said that. That's why I was... um, you know, achieving my dream, <laughs> um, but it was uh, we paid a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yes, I I reached my freedom of um, speech, uh, my freedom in uh, United States, but for that my family members are paying tremendous, uh, you know, price since mm-hmm. then, and Chinese government, uh, you know, immediately. Um, announced um, red notes after me Mm -hmm. that time and they erase all my records. That time I had many TV shows and the movies and some uh, commercials also playing China's TV. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: They stop all and uh, actually uh, remove all my pictures and my voices from their data Mm -hmm. and... um, (laughs) especially my family targeted by Chinese government and yep
0: yeah. wow <laughs> that's unfortunate and and uh, you know it's 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 really an interesting um I'm not sure if interesting is the proper word but it's an interesting relationship that the United States has with China where we have this sort of kosher trade agreement but then there's these uh, horrors going on in China. There's repressing people like like your people. And then, uh, you know, we we have this sort of deton of war. It's kind of weird. It's a, it's a really complex sort of situation. So, tell us a little bit more for people that don't understand uh, who the Uyghur people are. Why haven't most Americans heard of them? Why aren't we better educated? Uh, what's their religious background? Et cetera, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, As I told you, uh, more than 20 million people Mm -hmm. living in far west in China, it's uh, in uh, Central Asia. We are close to uh, neighbor with Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, also uh, here's Tibet, Mongolia, uh, like eight, nine countries around us, including China. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Since after our country occupied by Chinese government, they uh, renamed our country as the Xinjiang uh, Uyghur Uyghur region. But in our country, uh, other than Uyghurs, we have uh, Kazakh, Kyrgyz, Tajik, Uzbek, other Turkic-speaking minorities, also Muslim. we Uyghurs, um, uh, you know convert to Islam about a thousand years. So our culture uh, is mixed with Islamic culture also. It's a mm-hmm. very rich Turkic background. Mm-hmm. So it's a rich of the uh, oil, natural resources. And uh, that's why Chinese government, um, you know, using all our natural resources may been many years uh, never the benefit to the local people and uh, they uh, lack of, you know, development many years. Mm-hmm. Uh they just beginning really um develop this uh, region after nineteen ninety, but for the migrant Chinese people to oh, wow. comfortably live there, so they used uh the migrant policy from nineteen ninety very you know, frequently move many millions of Chinese people so our um population uh before that is like 80 90 we were living there right now you can see is like same like 40 something we were 40 something uh, chinese and including other uh, minorities there and that they crack down Uyghurs using different different, uh, tools, um, different names, you know, they also using like um, uh, anti-terrorists, you know, uh, to punish Uyghur because we are Muslim, but we never had terrorism in our region. Uh, And they even doesn't allow Uyghurs to really practice their religion because, you know, the CCP is atheist, uh, communist country. They hate all the uh, religious, uh, afraid of, you know, people to obey Mm -hmm. uh, the CCPs. That's why they punish all Uyghur people. But we have very strong connection and the lineage with our religion. So somehow people survive with their uh, Mm -hmm. religion and their culture until uh, in 2016, uh, Xi Jinping used no mercy policy toward the Uyghurs to uh, start the re-education program Mm -hmm. and uh, many other... uh, Deploying, uh the law to crack down Uyghurs. So uh, as a journalist, uh, also speaking Uyghur language, um, so we actually are focusing on those issues uh, in our Radio Free Asia, in our daily news, we publish about those. Mm-hmm. That's why not only me, my uh, colleagues, uh, family members back home also targeted, so some of them also sentenced many years. Uh, so the situation is very bad. For me, I heard first my brother, my younger brother, arrested because of my my work. Oh,
2: wow.
1: um, yeah, in two thousand seventeen. Uh, Finally, we uh, speak with the first uh, camp survivor who willing to speak to the media, who is um, Umar Bek Ali, half Kazakh, half uh, Uyghur. Uh, He was um, released from the camp, uh, went to Almaty and uh, I interview him from a uh, phone interview him from the Almaty Kazakhstan and I released that news I believe it's uh, January 28 mm-hmm. that's the shocking news because he uh, detailed described uh, the camps actually camps and he is actually a Kazakh citizen also a Chinese citizen dual citizenship um, that's why Kazakh government helped to, you know, to him to escape from the camp. Um, so he gave us very detailed information after we released that news. Wow. I assume because of that news,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then my all parents um, and siblings and cousins all together arrested in fe- uh, February.
2: Wow. first
1: in the one night, mm-hmm. so after my brother arrested, also, I lost all my family members in one night. That's why from that day, I stood up to speak out and telling my own story to the mm-hmm. world, to the old media.
0: There you go. And, and that's very brave. Do, do, you, uh, do you know where any of them are now?
1: Yeah, after, because I um, testified in front of Congress shortly, mm-hmm. and that they released my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because of my aunt also developed mental health problem in the camp, they released her after two years and mm-hmm. released my brother recently, like about mm-hmm. a, a, a year, my father in that time was uh, really sick because of stroke he had uh the half body paralyzed he Mm. was in the hospital in uh, intensive room but they couldn't uh, move him to the camp because they don't have proper uh, you know health stuff to keep him alive maybe that's why they keep him in the hospital like Mm. hostage and and after that, they're home, but just like hostage at home, they cannot go anywhere without uh, the government um, issue, some kind of paper, wow. to letting them to even go to sick, you mm-hmm. know, the because they are very really sick. They need um, to... Uh, to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. even that they cannot go freely. Wow! They're all at home. Three of them. Thank God they are alive.
0: Yeah, that's that's good. <sighs> Uh, have you been able to communicate with them? Are you able to call yeah, them I in any way, call shape, or form?
1: Them because of uh, thank you for I'm very grateful for lawmakers who make it happen. Mm-hmm. Several of them uh, wrote the letter to the Chinese embassy uh, and then the Chinese government to ask about my parents' uh, mm-hmm. well-being and uh, because of their demand, so they allowed us to communicate. Just use by uh, use phone so I can have uh, phone conversation conversations only with my mother uh, once a while like one two times uh, a month just mm-hmm. for asking you know how they are and
0: oh, that's good that's good that you can you know you should be able to communicate with them at will and at least I know
1: where they are and yeah. how they are yeah I'm yeah. very grateful for that but Um, As you know, right now in the exile, every Uyghur have uh, their parents or siblings uh, in the concentration camp, you can say, and they lost contact since 2016 with back home. Mm -hmm. So it's very painful. It's the most painful, you know, the feeling if you don't know about their, you know, alive or not. And the feeling of guiltiness, you know, the Chinese government even uh, just arresting them because of they have children uh, went to other countries to study yeah. or work. Yeah. So uh, who's living in Abroad today, the exiled Uyghurs, all have the same pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I consider myself is luckier
0: one. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is the largest scale detention of an ethnic and religious minority since World War II. Yep. Uh, they estimate uh, since 2017, some 16,000 mosques, churches, yep. uh, technically you have know, been almost- raised or damaged. <laughs> Hundreds of thousands of children have been forcibly separated from their mothers and sent to boarding schools. Mm -hmm. Um, it's quite the atrocity. I mean, they're they're trying to reprogram men, they call it, in concentration camps. They've made it so that uh, basically sterilized women so they can't have children. Um, It's horrific when you hear a lot of the human rights abuses and things that are going on, ethnic and religious abuses that are going on by the Communist Party.
1: Unfortunately, this atrocity, genocide, is still going on
0: hmm and yeah.
1: you can uh count from the 2017 uh, the six years pass so the 21st century genocide is happening in front of our eyes
0: wow and and uh, yeah, but the good part is is you're writing a book you're speaking out you I've seen uh, uh, many interviews that you've given on this and you're drawing a lot of uh, you're drawing a lot of light onto this subject and getting people aware of it which I think is the important part of your book as well not only is it telling your story but uh, you know and this is a journey of exile hope and survival what do you hope um, is the future for the Uyghur people? You know
1: we still feel we are not doing enough, mm-hmm. and the world didn't do enough, especially the leader of all those uh, democratic countries, mm-hmm. uh, Islamic countries they they didn't really trying to stop this genocide mm-hmm. and um, you know, all through for this uh, individual like me uh, exiled we mm-hmm. were, um, taken away from their homeland and their people language and the cultural environment mm-hmm. uh, they still fighting for the existence you know because the in homeland all Uyghurs and other Turkish ethnicity, um, entire people facing um, existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's like our duty to keep our dignity, our culture, our um, hope alive. This is at least we can do right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um by writing this book i also intend to tell uh the world uh, the generation who is you know watching this um most you know uh how can i say it? the the sad time in the history and should have sense of, you know, um, we are the same people. We all have a responsibility to stop this genocide because, um,
2: uh,
1: you know, we are just like flowers in earth. Uh, earth, we can say is in a garden, we are just different flowers to make this uh, world more uh, beautiful together.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, in order to make it even beautiful, we need to live and uh, devote ourselves like flower. <laughs> so um, You may remember or tell others what I have uh, briefly said here. Mm -hmm. I hope it will uh, shine beauty and hope into you and others as well.
0: There you go. There you go. And a beautiful story about your life and your journey and the challenges that you go through. And uh, I hope someday that somehow this can be fixed, what's going on in China. I don't know how... I don't know, you know, this This is to power much bigger than I, but hopefully mm-hmm. it will and and hopefully you will bring uh, more awareness and more uh, people That's my point. That, yes. that will stand up and say hey, this is BS we shouldn't be allowing this to happen and all that good stuff. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on the show Gu, we really appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for having you. me. Thank, thank you.
0: you. Uh, give us your .coms so or wherever we want people to find you on the interwebs as well.
1: Mm-hmm. also you can uh, you know search up rfa.org uh, to Uyghur news uh, much more you can learn from that our uh, website mm-hmm. also we have English uh, translated uh, news about Uyghurs uh, what's going on in my country right now in China and the Uyghur region and uh uh, at uh, facebook and twitter
0: as well there you go there you go so folks order up the book where fine books are sold a stone is most precious where it belongs uh you can order where fine books are sold february 21st 2023 a story of exile hope and survival i it's it's really important to understand the story what's going on over there i mean the largest the largest scaled detention of ethnic and religious minorities since World War two I mean this is this is larger than the horror that was uh, done to the Jews um, you know this is something we need to call out and try and support and and uh, and uh, support human rights so thank you very much Gu, for coming on the show we really appreciate it
1: Really. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks so much for tuning in. Go to Goodreads.com, for Chris Voss, YouTube.com, for Chris Voss, and all those crazy places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time.